Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. We get together here every week and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. Today we're going to talk about why activists win and the divide and conquer method that's happening right now at Bayer. So as I record this, and it is the end of April, I just read an article in today's Wall Street Journal that Bayer shareholders have signaled a loss of confidence in their CEO. Uh, 55% of the shareholders refused to endorse the management's actions in the past year. Management being the chief executive officer, a gentleman named Werner Baumann, the company's uh, CEO, and then their chairman of the board, a gentleman named uh, Werner Winning. So yes, uh, they're, they're both named Werner, but one is Werner Winning and one is Werner Bauman. Okay, they're German. But the point is, Bayer bought Monsanto. You guys know about this already. Bayer bought Monsanto. What's it been now? A couple of years. And Bayer bought them for $63 billion. It took a couple of years for it to get approval. It all happened. So Bayer has this Monsanto company. So there's not even a Monsanto anymore. But all these lawsuits started coming together in the United States against glyphosate. To give you, and you probably already know this because you're in the industry of agriculture, glyphosate, that's the chemical which is trade named Roundup by Monsanto, now Bayer. Glyphosate is the world's most used herbicide. The world's most used herbicide. It's used to spray your driveway if you live in the suburbs. It's used to spray the parking lot uh, at your company. It's used in agriculture because of uh, all the technology and GMOs. And we have Roundup Ready soybeans and Roundup Ready corn and all this thing goes on, right? So glyphosate has been under attack a lot in Europe and then uh, here in the United States. Not so much in third world countries because they're happy just to be able to produce food. But that's the way these things always go. The United States situation is a little different than Europe because we have lawsuits happening here. So what these shareholders are doing is they're coming out and they're, they're saying that this company did not do their due diligence. Uh, a big investor, they own 1% of Bayer, and yes, that would be a big number, of course. Uh, a big Bayer, uh, I'm sorry, an investor group. Uh, said that uh, these these people maybe did not do their due diligence, they were faulty. So this has kind of become a divide and conquer situation. And this is where the activists right now are cheering. Think about this. If you're at the Environmental Working Group, just so you know, the Environmental Working Group is a San Francisco-founded and now headquartered between San Fran and Washington, D.C. cause group. You know what they want? They don't want the environment to be good. They don't work for you on behalf of environmental issues. Oh, of course, they put out all kinds of public relations and PR saying that they do just that. But what they really are is a cause group, a non-profit with a boatload of employees. They get paid very, very well, and they go out and raise money. And they raise money by saying, look at what we did. You know what we did? We came out against Monsanto and those evil people that make those evil chemicals that poison you. They're the ones that released the study, by the way, in August, right after the first Monsanto Roundup lawsuit came out. They're the ones that came out with the study that said there's so many parts per billion of glyphosate in your children's cereal. Notice they didn't say in all cereal. It was in your children's cereal because then it appeals to the emotion of the moment that these evil chemical manufacturers are poisoning your children's lucky charms with glyphosate. Now, there actually were some trace amounts of glyphosate in Lucky Charms. Because of course they've got grain in Lucky Charms and it would stand to reason 
Uh, California says you can have up to 150 parts per billion of glyphosate and still be completely safe. And I think in some of these products that were tested, it was down there in the single digits. So it's obviously not an issue. And based on our testing that we can do today, because our technology is so good, you could find parts per billion of just about anything in just about any product. There's trace amounts of human feces in your food. Not grossing you out, I'm being honest. We have testing now that can find that, whereas 20 years ago, 40 years ago, you couldn't find that stuff. There are traces of insect parts and human DNA in your food and in your beverage. But that doesn't matter. When the target is chemical companies and you are against modern agriculture and you're fundraising, your job, in other words, to pay yourself, you have to go out and raise money. What's the easiest way to do that? To create a common villain. And that's what these groups have done. There's another group called the Public Interest Research Group. They are the organization that came out just a couple of months ago with the findings based on their research that there is up to 26 parts per billion glyphosate in summer home wine or in your Miller Lite or in your other bottle of wine or beer. And of course, again, that's not a shocking amount. It's not a lethal amount. Studies, of course, pointed out that uh, were done by more independent organizations or more agricultural organizations. You'd have to drink a bottle of Sutter Home wine every hour on the hour for the, for the next like 37 years before you'd have any problem. You couldn't possibly drink 24 bottles of wine three, seven days a week, 365 for 37 years, whatever the number was. The point is these things don't matter because those are factual and scientific statements. As you always hear me say, humans are moved by emotion. Juries... Juries are not your peers. Juries in places like San Francisco are sure as hell not your peers. In the business of agriculture, they are probably left-leaning, probably against modern agriculture, and most assuredly against evil companies like Monsanto because they have been indoctrinated with said PR. Remember, a lot of uh, research is going into this. I just shared something recently about this very topic that you can convince somebody through skilled persuasion, that they believe something, whether they believe it or not. And what can happen in a courtroom? Through gifted orators who are indeed prosecutors or plaintiff's attorneys, which is what we're dealing with is plaintiff's attorneys. And they have a lot at stake. Because if you're a plaintiff's attorney, you take one-third of the take. One-third of the money you steal from Bayer Monsanto is yours. So... What's happening now is the divide and conquer situation. So from a PR standpoint, I want you to think about this from a PR standpoint, because too many people in ag carry on about the science. They want to tell me all about the facts, the economics, and the science. Remember, I'm good with economics. I have an agricultural economics degree. Not quite as good with science, but I get, I get it to a certain degree. It doesn't matter. Our consumers do not. Juries do not do science. Americans do not do science. Most people do not do science. This is about an emotional movement. And so we now have a divide and conquer method going on. If you are a cause group, public interest research group is not in the public interest. Oh, sure they are, but they're a cause group. Look them up. Public interest research group opposes most modern agricultural technologies. They, just like environmental working group, are funded through donations and are a nonprofit organization, which doesn't mean they don't make a ton of money, which doesn't mean their employees work for free. It means they make a shitload of money. It means that they just don't pay taxes and they raise their money through shock and awe. Let's tell the world that Monsanto Bayer is poisoning their children and that there is chemistry 
from their herbicide in your wine, beverage, or kids' lucky charms. And by golly, we now have a movement. And what's the next thing they do? They can go and shake down General Mills or the brewers of Miller Lite or the vendors over that uh, Sutter home and say, you know what? You need to ban glyphosate or we're going to continue to release these studies that say that you are poisoning your consumers. And of course, these companies want to have consumers, so they'll run scared. They're not agricultural backers. They're companies that are made to make money. They don't care whether they, whether they support your ability to use glyphosate or not. But the bigger picture really that I think is happening is that we're going to eventually have glyphosate taken away from us. And it will be by law, but it won't be until after Bayer has been bankrupted. Now, I love Bayer. They hire me. They are a client of mine. And I wish I could give them some advice on how to win better in the courtroom because they're doing so right now. They're losing by going to battle using science and facts. And those juries have obviously not been moved by that. They need to come up with an emotional approach and talk about the benefits to all of humanity through chemistry. We are the company that invented aspirin. This company that made us healthier through the advent of aspirin is now at the forefront of feeding the world in an efficient manner, giving you the multitude of food products you have at a price that you can afford. But you know what? It's not about price. It's about variety and safety. And yet they're putting us on trial for a chemical that's been proven safe again and again and again. And they're trying to use emotion because this poor person has cancer. But you know, cancer kills a lot of people that have never touched, that have never touched glyphosate. That's the approach to take. The emotional versus the scientific. I wish Bayer would listen to me. But you know what's going to happen? Bayer very likely is going to end up in a really bad situation. And they may not survive. Because there are 13,400 lawsuits right this minute. Right as we speak, 13,400 plaintiffs have lawsuits against the former Monsanto, which is now Bayer, over the glyphosate cancer issue. 13,400. I will tell you that the first lawsuit in California that was in in San Francisco, the jury awarded is $280 million. The judge reduced it to $78 million. So $78 million times 13,400. Someone that's listening to this podcast who is smarter than me run those numbers. But you know what? It ends up being the trillions of dollars. Bayer bought Monsanto and they were basically about equal size. $63 billion is what they paid for Monsanto. So you've got a combined company now that was worth about $125 billion. And they're going to come up with a trillion dollars in legal costs, in lawsuits, in verdicts? I don't think so. By the way, those poor folks over at Bayer, and this is why the stockholders are revolting, has peeled off about 25% of its value since the merger, since the acquisition of Monsanto. So think about that. They're now worth about three-fourths of what they were because the world doesn't like when your company is getting sued and losing and when they see what's stacked up against you in 13,400 lawsuits. So we have seen that the environmental cause groups, which are really fundraising cause groups, let's just start calling them what they are, fundraising cause groups under the guise of food safety or environmentalism have successfully divided and conquered the people at Bayer. They've got the people of Bayer running scared. And they've teamed up with the trial lawyers. The more the environmental working group, public interest research group, and all these other cause groups can publicize the great things they're doing to get rid of this horrible chemical, the more the trial lawyers can hop in and win easy cases. Think about it. When the world already thinks that you're guilty, 
Hell, I could be your lawyer. And that's what we've got going on. The question is really, is this about environment? No. Is this about health? No. Is it about money? Yes. And this is something that I wish I could hear or have a bigger uh, audience in the business of agriculture. Now, a lot of these chemical companies have employed me, and I have a lot of people like you that listen to me. But I wish that the CEOs of every chemical company in the world would listen to this podcast because I don't know why this has not been more understood. You know, I'm the youngest in a big family, and I understand fighting, and I understand jockeying, and I understand political jockeying amongst the siblings. So imagine the chemical companies, the big six, and I'm talking about the big six before there were four, Syngenta, BASF, Bayer, DuPont, Dow, and uh, what, did I, what did I miss there? Bayer, Syngenta, BASF, Dow, DuPont, and of course Monsanto. And so now we're down to four, Bayer, Dow, DuPont's one, Syngenta, BASF. If 13,400 lawsuits do indeed put Bayer out of business, maybe they have to file bankruptcy. Maybe they'll, ne they'll never make glyphosate again. Hell, maybe they'll never make aspirin again. Maybe it will truly destroy the company. We've seen this before. We've seen this before where liability or litigation puts companies out of business. Now, with tobacco, the lawsuits were structured enough that they wanted the government wanted those companies to stay in business, so they became like an annuity because, after all, it was the government that got the money. But in this case, it's not. So the government's not going to make sure that the structure is there that they can siphon the money because what do they care? It's individuals. So my concern is if Bayer goes away, the protest does not. The trial lawyers do not. Your environmental working group and you're the public interest research group, you still want to make money. How do you do that? You've just, you've just killed the goose that laid the golden egg over at Bayer. You killed it. You siphoned it. You sucked off of it. You took all of its eggs and then you just went out back and chopped its head off. It's dead. What do you do if you're one of these cause groups? If you're a trial lawyer's group? Well, it's very simple. You just move your target. You then say, well... We also know that a number of people have cancer, and they were farmers, but they never even used glyphosate, we don't think. But we know they used Bassagran, Dual, Post, or whatever the chemical company's names are now. Let's face it, those are old chemistry names from when I was a younger guy. I don't buy a lot of ag chemicals right now. doesn't matter. The chemicals that are being used right now, whatever their trade names may be, will be the new target. So while Syngenta, BASF, Dow DuPont stood idly by and allowed Monsanto, now Bayer, to be the target of all of this horrible public relations movement and horrible litigation movement, will be the next target. Because the protest never goes away, the fight to steal money from companies through litigation never goes away, and in fact it will be made easier. Now, if you're a trial lawyer and a plaintiff's attorney, how hard is it? Very simple, in fact. You simply line up and say, this is just like those glyphosate cases, those Roundup cases against those evil Monsanto. Turns out, Syngenta was doing the exact same thing. Boom, there's the lawsuit. Turns out, Dow DuPont, now Corteva, was doing the same thing. So I see this being very bad for the industry because the target will be all the other chemical companies and it'll just, it'll take a few years 
That's what happened with glyphosate. Took a few years. Get some European Union people behind you, some left-leaning, anti-modern agricultural types, the sort of people that, you know, they drive through Belgium and they want there to be a bunch of little quaint 40-acre farms and a man out there with his hoe and and his horse. And that still happens. There's people that have the nostalgic side. And they happen to be sometimes in power. So the European Union is kind of anti-glyphosate. That's why you can't take GMO crops over there. Also, it's very protective. They know that if they allow GMO crops in, there's going to be stuff from Brazil and the United States flooding in, and those farmers will not be able to compete. But the reality is there's an anti-glyphosate movement in, unions, uh, in the European Union been going on for a while. So now we just watch as momentum builds, as the anger builds, as the movement builds, against the next chemistry. They went after glyphosate pretty plainly because it's the world's most used herbicide and because marching against Monsanto was very popular since the 1990s when we came out with GMOs, those evil GMOs that nobody understood but they knew they hated them. People in Hollywood were anti-GMO, wouldn't know a GMO from a UFO, but by God, Gwyneth Paltrow hates them and she's opposed to them, so so am I because I watched her once in a movie. That's how the movement happened. We're going to see lawsuits against other chemical companies in the next two years is my prediction because this whole thing with Monsanto will go on or Bayer will go on for a certain amount of time and then it's going to become very obvious because these are very forward-thinking activists. And this is why activists will win this, I'm afraid, because they're using the divide and conquer and they know that eventually, eventually they'll run out of money at Bayer. So let's move on to the next thing. So look for movements against other chemistry and other chemical companies in the next 24 months because it becomes this the next thing. If you're already a fundraiser, you're already pretty good at finding the next, the next target, right? The next big inheritance, the next heiress who just got a billion dollars and she believes in your cause. So you go and find her. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to sucking money from companies. I'm Damian Mason. That's why activists are going to win this when I'm afraid, and I'm not sure that we really have. Uh, I'm not sure that we really have uh, a great alternative. We can say we can use the science. I don't believe that's going to work. You call on government. You call on government intervention since we know that these chemicals are so important to our industry. We can accept the fact that they're going away, and as an industry, we probably will adapt. But we're not going to have people walking the bean fields again. The average American wouldn't work that hard, and we can't import enough immigrants, frankly. Nobody's going to walk soybeans like I did as a kid. So what are we left with? Well, a lot more cultivation, a lot more tillage, a lot more usage of diesel, a lot more hours, a lot more time. But we do have autonomous equipment. Can we teach an autonomous piece of machinery to run out there and cultivate? There will be a lot more soil erosion and soil compaction because of the cultivation. We won't be able to use no-till practices quite the same. So even if the chemical companies are all sued, afraid to sell chemicals, not allowed to manufacture chemicals, financially unable to even exist through lawsuits, whatever ends up being the result, and I don't think it's going to be good, what do we do? Well, we'll still produce food as best we can. And you can say, oh, people are going to starve? Maybe, maybe, maybe. We've always caught up on production. My bigger concern is the short term, where there's that, that time when we haven't had the ability to catch up, the chemistry is taken away from us, the chemical companies have been bankrupted, and there we sit. That's my concern. If you gave us 30 years, we'd adapt. If you give us 10, I'm not sure it's going to happen that quickly. 
chemistry is a good thing. We've all lived through it. I'm 49 years old. I saw when we, what we used to get. I see the crops we used to get. I see the lack of. I see the lack of output from the old days and the amazing output today. And I see a safe product. And I see a marginal property that is taken out of production so that we do not ruin those farms and ruin that soil and put sediment in those ditches. And then I see this movement being counter to all of that. When you take chemistry off the plate, we have a little harder time. Now, we might be able to breed plants, breed plants, but the same folks that are all about suing Monsanto over glyphosate, now Bayer, don't want us to breed plants either. So I worry about our short term more than our long term. And that's, that's the concern here. Activists are winning. Stop using science. Bayer, bring me in. I'll, I will work with your defense team and I will tell them what the argument needs to be. I want you to be there. You're a client of mine. I just worry that you can't sustain. You cannot withstand 13,400 lawsuits and the way things are trending right now, you're, you're 0 and 2, and you're heading into your third fist fight. You understand that? You've had two lawsuits go against you. Your third one is right now in the works in Northern California. Well, 0 and 2 is not a really good way to start when you're going 13,400. I'm Damian Mason. That's your discussion on the business of agriculture, of why activists so far are winning when it comes to the chemistry. This is the Business of Agriculture podcast.